Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 294. We're coming up on 300. That's woo. That's a lot of uh that's a lot of podcasts. Um and they're all in the back catalog if you're like what was Emily talking about in 2016? You can find out. Feels like ages ago. And it was, but it also wasn't. It's so weird. Anyway, if you would like to, I, I don't delete any of the old episodes. So um, as long as your platform keeps keeps them in there, they're there. So feel free. I mean, some of this stuff is time related, but a lot of it isn't, you know, struggling artist stuff, feminist stuff, uh, the the mood changes, but it, the content is some of it, unfortunately, evergreen. <laughs> but on to today's business. Today, I am uh, going to read you the second part of my pandemic guide to international TV. I have to say, what's been great about doing this is that I have gotten several recommendations of television shows from friends and patrons and colleagues. So I have a nice list of stuff to check out. So thank you to all of those people, because that seeing new stuff that you like makes me happy too. So let me read this one to you. It is called My Pandemic Guide to International TV, Part 2. Last week, I took us mostly to Spain, Italy, and Turkey. And now it's on to France, Germany, Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, and beyond. France gave me some quality TV, and Netflix gave them all silly titles in English. I get the sense that the folks at Netflix think Americans are dumb and need dumb titles. One of the few shows set in contemporary times that compelled me was Call My Agent, which I really wish they'd called its French title, 10%. Dix pour cent. But no one asked me, so. One of the benefits of watching this show full of French stars was that when one of them appeared in the next French show I watched, I was very excited. That show was The Bonfire of Destiny. French title, Le Bazaar de la Charité, the Charity Bazaar, which is much more descriptive, as this is an important setting event of the show. The show was harrowing at first, since it begins with a lot of people dying in a really terrible fire at a charity bazaar, but then becomes a really intriguing look at class and gender and culture in 1897. It felt like an adaptation of a classic novel from the old days that never actually existed, with some really complicated romances. There is, I have discovered, a Turkish version of this show, and now I'd very much like to see that too. Then there was the Cold War comedy delight called A Very Secret Service. In French, Au Service de la France, In Service of France, once again, a much better title. It's got fewer women in it than I prefer, but its bureaucratic idiocy made me laugh a lot. I sing to myself a line from it occasionally for no good reason, except that I enjoyed it so thoroughly. Dambonet 
double tamponé, stamped, double stamped. In a giant global crisis, they are most flummoxed by which stamp to use for a form. It was a delight. A sexist delight, but I didn't care. And you know when I don't care, it must have been worth it. On to Germany! I started with Babylon Berlin last year. I'd avoided it for a while because I was afraid it was going to be too violent for me, and it was too violent for me, but my brother was living in Berlin at the time, and he liked it, so I watched it anyway, and I wasn't sorry, even if I did have to cover my eyes and ears more often than I'd like. I'd been curious about the Weimar era in Germany pretty much ever since Trump got elected, so this show successfully brought me into those pre-Nazi times and helped me understand a few things. Also, a lot happens. Stylishly. I also got hooked into Charité, which is a series about a hospital in Berlin based on historical people and events. The first season takes place in 1887 and deals with doctors' attempts to cure and or vaccinate against tuberculosis and diphtheria. It is a very interesting moment in time where some doctors are pushing for cleaning and sterilizing the hospital, and the nurses and other doctors are skeptical. It is a fight that has a clear winner, but in these times, it's interesting to watch it play out. Their second season takes place during World War II, and I have to say, watching a World War II show from a German hospital staff's perspectives was hard, but illuminating. Watching well-meaning doctors look away from eugenics happening right in front of them or claiming that the harrowing tales of their government that made it to their ears was all propaganda. I guess I understand now how folks like that fooled themselves. I'm seeing people do that now. But I haven't just watched shows from Europe. I've told you about Mexico's House of Flowers already, and I'm in the middle of the Five Juanas, which is very silly, soapy, and kind of trashy. It's about five women named Juana, surprise, who discover they all have the same birthmark and therefore the same father. Ridiculous though it may be, it is super interesting to realize that I can sometimes distinguish between accents and Spanish now after having watched so much TV from several places. I can hear that the Juana from Colombia sounds very different than the one who grew up in Spain, who sounds different from the three from Mexico. There was also a lot of pleasure in Colombia's Always a Witch, even though its premise was off the charts problematic. It's a slave woman in love with the master's son, who is set to be burned at the stake for witchcraft, but is saved by going to the future where she spends all her time trying to get back to her boyfriend. Yes, the boyfriend whose family owned her. Oh, honey, no. But the music was great. And the witchery was fun, and they realized their mistake by the second season, but it may have been too late. I'm pretty sure it's been canceled. It is fascinating to watch a show screw itself up so badly. (laughs) On to Brazil! One of the most unique shows I've seen on this kick was No One's Looking, which is about these bureaucratic angels who start to break the rules. It is an odd, odd world and I admired the quirky design a lot. My favorite part may have been when the angel middle manager takes his team to go see some stand-up comedy, and it turns out to be a very sincere motivational speaker talking about angels. The angels watch from the balcony, laughing their wings off. 
If you've ever wanted to watch office worker angels dance, take drugs, and generally explore being human, this show is for you. The other Brazilian show was called The Girls from Ipanema, in English. In Portuguese, it's called Coisa Mas Linda, which is a line from the song Girl from Ipanema. This show falls in line with my usual interests by being the story of a woman at work trying to make things work. The story is of a woman whose husband leaves her, and so she starts a club and becomes the center of the bossa nova scene in Rio. I almost quit watching the show at the top of season two when they brought back her husband and he took over her club. And I guess this is a spoiler, but I know I would have appreciated knowing that she and her girls would turn it around and send him packing again within a couple of episodes. The women in the show are all pretty amazing and do remarkable things. The biggest flaw is that the writers seem to subscribe to the all-men-are-trash school, where even the good ones do some very bad things. I found all that pretty tiresome, but the music and the cool dames kept me going. You'll want to get your Bossa Nova albums out after this show. Other shows I tried, the Egyptian version of Grand Hotel. Hmm, nope, didn't do it for me. I tried to watch Cathedral by the Sea, Spanish, but if you start your show with repeated sexual assaults, I'm out. I didn't get more than 15 minutes into Bolivar, Colombian, or The Last Bastion, Peruvian. The first episode of Paquita Salas, Spanish, had a quality, but I feel like I've seen that quality elsewhere and better in other shows. There are a lot of cultural holes in my watching that I would like to fill in. I feel like I'm really missing a lot of good things from Asia and Africa. I tried Giri Haji from Japan, which was just too macho for me. And I'm interested in Kingdom, but I just can't ever seem to face it. Anyone who can point me toward the Korean feminist period drama section of the video store will get a big thank you. I realize, too, that I am constrained by the limitations of the streaming services. They only show me what they want to show me. I'm subject to Netflix tastes as much as my own. I may have to investigate alternative international streaming services. After all, Netflix has canceled a lot of my favorite shows and removed some great ones from the platform. Grand Hotel, The Time In Between, and I never got to see it, but I heard The Ministry of Time was amazing. I did just read that Netflix has started to open up to the African film and TV world, so I'm looking forward to seeing what emerges there. If you have international faves, please tell me about them, especially if they're period dramas about women working. I may have exhausted Netflix's Spanish TV resources, and Amazon's Pantaya service tends to not have English subtitles, so I gotta branch out. Or get better at Spanish. At some point, I suppose I'll want to watch more than a couple of shows in English again, but for the moment... I'm just much more interested in the worlds far away from here. So since I wrote this and sent it out into the world, looks like about a month ago, I have now watched, thanks to a friend's recommendation, a Korean show that has some, it, it takes place now, but it also has some period work in the past. It's called Hotel Del Luna. And it is about a hotel for dead people. And some of the people have been dead a long time. And whenever we flash back to their lives, they were living a long time ago, is what I'm saying. 
And those are my favorite parts. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really fun. And I have several other suggested shows on my list. I'm very excited to get into them. So thank you to all of the recommenders out there. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe there'll be a third part of these. And it's not going to be for a while because I really did a, this is like two years of, of television that's summed up here. So hopefully it won't need to be a pandemic guide for part three, right? Fingers crossed. Uh, so for your song today, I, um, I thought I should learn a, a Brazilian song because of the music uh, in, in The Girls from Impanima. Um, and I looked at some Bossa Nova stuff, and boy, is that beyond my skill set. But... I remembered that I had learned a Brazilian song uh, in a clown class many years ago from a Brazilian clown, um, a really amazing clown teacher called Ricardo Puccetti, which I know is an Italian name, but he's Brazilian. And uh, he's part of a company called Lume in Brazil, which, of course, I've never seen or been to, but um, I took a class with him here in New York many years ago, and he taught us the, what's the first verse of this song. So I did not know that there were two more verses, but um, I looked it up so I could find some chords for it and uh, discovered two more extra verses, which is pretty great. Um, when he taught us this song in class, I was just like, what is this magic? What is this magic song? And it turns out, guess what? It is a lullaby. <laughs> Uh, all the versions that I found were all on children's albums of lullabies or, or maybe just kids' songs. And I was like, of course, of course. If you're just joining me in the podcast world here, you, you don't know why I'm saying of course. So perhaps I should explain, which is that I have a whole album of lullabies. I've been recording and, and writing lullabies for my friends with babies for, oh gosh, probably more than a decade now. Um, I guess it just turns out I have a thing for lullabies. <laughs> so I'm glad to be able to add this Brazilian lullaby to that list um, for any future babies. So I'm going to play that for you um, in a moment. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell someone about it. Uh, you can like, subscribe, do all the things, write reviews, particularly on Apple Podcasts, that they have an inordinate amount of power. So any support there is extra support. <laughs> um, also, if you'd like to support the podcast with uh, money, there is patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. And there's also Kofi and PayPal. All those links are in the show notes. You can also support my radio drama, The Dragoning. We are fundraising for season two right now. A link for that is also in the show notes. So this song is called Ciesa Rua Fosimina, uh, which translates to If This Street Was Mine. And I don't speak Portuguese, and uh, I think it's beautiful. I, after watching the shows in Portuguese, I, def I definitely felt the desire to be able to speak Portuguese. Uh, but I, I, it's not a language I understand. 
I always the, the thing about Portuguese for me is like I always think I'm about to understand it and then discover that I I, I, I don't know anything because it sounds like a mix of Spanish and Italian and French, but then it, it isn't. It's it's a, it's its own thing. Uh, so, um, I I listened to a bunch of different versions of this song, and everybody had a different accent. So I apologize in advance for my Portuguese. I attempted to do it correctly, but it you know. Even making sure that I had Brazilian singers to learn it from, one of them was masquerading, and I was like, "Oh no, this person is for sure North American, and she's from Canada." So I, I took that one out of my uh, teacher list. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a there's a wide variety, I think, in in accent, in pronunciation, how how things sound. It, like among Brazilians. So this is my sort of distillation of all the things that I heard. And also looking at the lyrics, actually looking at the lyrics, I had to stop looking at the lyrics. Like I had to learn the song and then quit looking at the lyrics because every time I'd look at how something was spelled, it would be not how it sounds. So I, I actually was getting thrown by reading what was there. Because I would like, when I read it, I want to pronounce it like Italian or Spanish, even French. Um, and it has a whole different way of being pronounced. So I, I did better not looking at the lyrics at a certain point. Um, yeah, so I'm playing this on ukulele. Uh, it was challenging <laughs> to learn. And uh, I really enjoyed it, actually. I think I love the, the chords. And um, I looked this song up, and the only stuff I could find about it was in Portuguese. Again, a language I don't speak. Uh, and I'm trying to work out, I read the Wikipedia, read is not really the word. I looked at the Wikipedia page for this song in Portuguese and tried to, you know, muscle through some kind of translation. Uh, and I... I, I, if I'm understanding correctly, and I don't think I am, but I might be, it says it might be, it's around here, just in case you speak Portuguese, I'm going to bastardize this reading here, but é utilizada tradicionalmente em brincadeiras como, como cantiga de roda, cantiga de roda, I think that means song of round, because I looked up Google Translate for Roda, and it says wheel. So I think a wheel must be around, right? Anyway, if you know, please tell me. And I would love to hear a version of it in round. It would be gorgeous. Anyway, <laughs> I, I obviously did not learn that fact in enough time to, uh, to attempt it, uh, maybe in the future. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this is just, you know, ukulele and uh, vocals. Si esa rua fosse mina. Si esa rua, si esa rua fosse mina. Yo mandava, yo mandava ladrilar. Com petrinhas, com petrinhas, 
So